Blog Talk Radio. It's been a long road getting from there to here. It's been a long time, but my time is finally here. I can feel the change in the wind right now. Nothing's in my way. Dr. Jess Armline coming to you from the Institute for Methylation and Bioindividualized Medicine here in southeastern Pennsylvania. And in case anybody's wondering, uh, we changed the name of our website to methylationsupport.com. So it's a whole lot easier to find us and a whole lot easier to understand what it is that we do. Because what we do is finding answers through methylation, genetics, and integrative medicine. Tonight we have a great show. And it's going to be on POTS, uh, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. And um, before that, I think I have announcements, but I don't remember any announcements that are that I'm supposed to announce. Huh. Okay. Anyway, the uh, video of our seminar should be out within the next two three weeks, and uh, you'll be able to um, you'll be able to purchase that if you were at the seminar. I believe that we're and you have the slides, I believe that we'll be giving away the audio portion to you for free. So, um, you know, this is a a good thing, okay? Uh, A lot of doctors, a lot of LA people are interested in what we have to say. And I see the chat room filling up. What we're going to do right now is I'm going to go through the PDF uh, that I created. That PDF is available on uh, my website on a on mthfrsupport.com and it should be on several of the blogs okay and i just put it into the chat room again hold on a second let me see if i can do that one more time here we go so you can get your hands on the pdf and follow along well <clears throat> last week uh late last week i realized that we didn't have a speaker for tonight so i went on to dr jess Armine and my um, Facebook page, and I said, <laughs> hey, somebody, give me a hand. Uh, what would you guys like to hear about? And um, some very nice person said, um, and it was literally a plea, she said, POTS, please. I know way too many people who are, way too many people are getting it, and no one seems to be able to help them adequately. <clears throat> I was shocked on Instagram how many there were. Uh, just use the hashtag POTSies almost anywhere, and suddenly suddenly you're surrounded. It seems that salt and water and beta blockers are 
uh, mitodrine aren't helping as much as they used to. It, they, well, I'm sorry, my mouth will work. Okay, I promise. Aren't helping as much as they used to. Any ideas? Well, I figured, you know, I've done a show on dysautonomia before, and I figured, well, I could just probably redo that show. But then I started delving into it yet again, and oh my gosh, I learned a whole mess of things, and I have some different ideas to share with you guys tonight, and I'm very sure that this will cause all kinds of controversy, but that's what I'm used to, okay? And uh, let me um, go a little forward, so hopefully everybody's got the PDF by this, by this time, and uh, we can move along. POTS. Postural Orthostatic Tachycardia Syndrome. This is from Wikipedia. POTS is thought to be a condition of partial dysautonomia. Dysautonomia, people, is when your autonomic nervous system, that part of your nervous system that runs things by itself, your heart rate, your breathing rate, your uh, your blood pressure, um, almost anything that doesn't require conscious thought, okay, it's dysfunctional, okay? A lot of times it's called orthostatic intolerance, uh, when you're changed from lying down to getting up, uh, there's an abnormally large increase in the uh, heart rate called tachycardia. Several studies show that there's a decrease in blood blood flow in the brain, and um, people with POTS have trouble maintaining homeostasis when they change position, like from moving from one chair to another. What does that mean, maintaining homeostasis? Well, when you get up from a chair, you expect your blood pressure to change a little bit, but it shouldn't make you dizzy and let you fall down, okay? You should be able to uh, get up from bed at night and go to the bathroom without, you know, falling apart. Um, so a, a person with POTS uh, has exaggerated reactions, and uh, those exaggerated reactions are due to the dysfunction in the autonomic nervous system. Uh, if we go to the next slide, I took some pictures from the British Journal of Medical Professionals, bjmp.org, and showed you some of the common POTS symptoms, postural dizziness, dry eyes and mouth, sensitivity to glare, fatigue, reduced exercise tolerance, delayed gastric emptying, urinary frequency or hesitation or incontinence, constipation, diarrhea, and you can tell it's from Britain because they spell diarrhea funny. Uh, incontinence and sexual dysfunction. Uh, other things, muscle quivering and spasms. Difficulty speaking clearly, like me tonight. Working hard, I find muscle and joint pains. Malfunction in body temperature regulation. Think about it. Being really, really cold and it's 95 degrees outside. Okay, and I'm kind of leading off to something and I'm sure that you, know, you guys know where I'm going with this. I found a um, I found a little chart uh, that I'll, I'll tell you the organization in a second where there were different types of POTS. Uh, some were considered primary, some were considered secondary. Okay, so I just put that the JHS is really Ehlers-Danlos syndrome or joint hypermobility uh, syndrome. And I'm going to go through things a little bit at a time. I know there's a lot of stuff to read here tonight, so <clears throat> just kind of follow along without reading heavily. Let me kind of present it to you, okay? The most common form of POTS is called partial dysautonomic. These people suffer from a mild 
type of peripheral autonomic neuropathy characterized by an inability of the peripheral vasculature to constrict in the face of orthostatic stress. <laughs> okay, this is what that means. When you stand up, the body should squeeze the blood vessels, specifically the arteries, in order to maintain your blood pressure. Otherwise, what would happen is your blood would kind of fall down to your feet and your head would get dizzy and you go fall over. Uh, a second type of partial dysautonomic POTS, uh, which they call developmental, seems to affect adolescence. Uh, onset was around 14 years of age following a period of rapid growth. Uh, symptoms progressively worsen, reach peak by age 16, and um, to the point that the person might be functionally disabled. And then over the years, um, the symptoms slowly start to fade away. They're not actually sure why that happens. This is from the Journal of Cardiovascular Electrophysiology. The next three slides are from there. There's other types of POTS. Uh, the second uh, form of a primary POTS, in other words, it's there and we don't know why it's there. It's called hyperadrenergic form. These people have a gradual progressive onset of symptoms and they report significant tremor, anxiety, cold, sweaty extremities when, up, when upright. The hallmark of this form of POTS is that in addition to the orthostatic tachycardia, they will often display orthostatic hypertension as well as an exaggerated response to certain types of infusions. These type of people have significantly elevated serum calcolamine levels. Um, <laughs> I dare do this again. Um, does everybody remember what catecholamines are? I, I did this during the seminar and blew out speakers. Okay, if anybody ever forgets what the word catecholamine means, which is excitatory neurotransmitters, just remember the first three letters, cat. Okay? If you remember cat on the hot tin roof, you will never, ever forget what a catecholamine is. I did that during the seminar and... and got emails that I blew off speakers and one poor lady in Britain said that I woke up the baby. I, I apologize, but I hope I didn't wake up any babies. Anyway, secondary POTS. Uh, this is POTS that's from something else that we can identify. Okay, and there's a lot of conditions that will also exhibit POTS and things like amyloidosis, sarcoidosis, alcoholism, lupus, Sjogren's, heavy, heavy metal intoxication, uh, chemotherapy. Uh, notice a lot of them are autoimmune diseases. Okay. Uh, also, the joint hypermobility syndrome, or EDS. I had a, um, a um, blogger uh, say that her POTS was incurable because she had a um, collagen disorder and identified this, and I hate the word incurable. I really do. So I, I wondered a little bit about it, started looking into it. Apparently, uh, what happens in this type of orthostatic, orthostatic intolerance is that um, because the tissue is abnormally elastic, okay, when you go to stand up or change positions, there is excessive venous pooling because the vessels expand, okay, and then, of course, the blood will drop. Um, there are more severe forms, and uh, they seem to be associated with um, uh, pure autonomic failure or multiple system atrophy, 
and it may present as a perineoplastic syndrome, which is secondary to cancer. Uh, it's a very serious and significant hidden disease. A lot of people with POTS don't look like they're ill, yet they suffer greatly. What's the usual treatment? The usual treatment is salt and water. Okay, to maintain blood pressure, sometimes orally or IV. I have a patient who um, needs to go to the emergency room to get uh, normal saline infusions when she has an attack and um, uh, will have seizures if she doesn't. Uh, Mitodrine, which is a vasopressor, something an antihypotensive, something to raise blood pressure. Fludrocortisone, which uh, replaces aldosterone, and due to its effect on increasing sodium levels and therefore blood volume, it's considered a first-line treatment. Beta blockers, okay, these block the action of the endogenous catecholamines, epinephrine and norepinephrine. Don't worry, I won't do the cat sound again. Actually, I will. I, I like cats. Anyway, in particular, uh, adrenergic, adrenergic beta, don't worry about all the, the fancy stuff, but any, the beta blockers prevent the excessive excitatory neurotransmitter release. In, in Vobradine, which is a, a heart rate-reducing agent, uh, Desmopressin, which is a synthetic for, replacement for vasopressin, which um, prevents, reduces urine production because in certain people with POTS, they start uh, urinating significantly. And then we have the whole antidepressant range okay, for its effect on the autonomic nervous system. So what are we told? We're told that POTS is chronic or permanent. We don't know why it happens, really. Don't know why the primary ones happen, and even the secondary ones, we don't know why the secondary ones lead to POTS, uh, that you're going to have to learn to live with it. And essentially, it stinks to be you. But is it really? You know, so here's where... I did a lot of studying yesterday. Uh, you guys may not realize that when you get this PDF, it takes me about six, seven hours to put one of these things together, you know, because I actually sit and start going through PubMed and I get interested and then my kids yell at me and the, the dog barks and stuff like that. So we'll look at the science a little bit. And um, uh, according to the Mayo Clinic practices uh, in 2012, Okay, they uh, identified POTS as a heterogeneous and multifactorial disorder. So they're recognizing that there are several causes for POTS that are treatable. And you should start looking for them. That's the takeaway from that blue box I put in there. Okay, they're basically telling doctors, you know, when you diagnose POTS, then the person go. How about you look for what the reasons are? From uh, Journal of Internal Medicine, 2014, uh, I found a study that showed that POTS was associated with chronic fatigue syndrome. <clears throat> I found out that the hemodynamic and demographic differences between uh, CFS, chronic fatigue, and POTS, excuse me, and the CFS-only patients suggests that the CFS POTS group reflect a, a distinct subgroup of the CFS population. The only thing that that meant to me was that chronic fatigue syndrome and POTS sort of go together, 
and maybe have kind of a similar basis. It's always a possibility there, you know. If, of course, chronic fatigue syndrome really isn't a diagnosis now, is it? Oops, hold on. Going on something else here. Here we go. Okay, for the um, perimetrology, uh, autonomic dysfunction in fibromyalgia syndrome. Uh, it, this particular study said that one of the most common events experienced by fibromyalgia patients during tilt table testing was postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, and they defined what it is. And again, it kind of made me think that some of the syndromes that I tend to see on a regular basis have a common basis um, with POTS. Now, here's one that I thought everybody would be very interested in. <clears throat> it's from the Journal of the Federation of American Societies for Experimental Biology. Um, you can, if you want to read the whole whole thing, be my guest. Okay, but what this particular study showed was there were two polymorphisms, the CTL1 and the SLC44A1, that prevented choline from getting into the tissues. They were they were studying fibroblasts, and the presence of these particular polymorphisms decreased the choline uptake by about 60%. So what the heck does that have to do with the price of potatoes? We'll go on to the next page and we'll go and I'll explain it to you because we're talking really about leaky gut syndrome. Because of these genetic um, correlations, there is disturbances in the membrane homeostasis by reduced ratios between phosphatidylcholine and phosphatidylethanolamine. And how many people have heard me yelling for the past year and a half, the cell wall is a phospholipid bilayer. The cell wall is a phospholipid bilayer. The cell wall is a phospholipid bilayer. And when we're treating leaky gut, I'm always telling you, let's give the person phospholipids, give them phospholipids. And some listen, some don't, okay? But also in the single myelin and cholesterol ratios, which has to do with the covering of the nerves of the brain, as well as modified phospholipid fatty acid composition. So these genes can cause disturbances in the cell walls that lead to symptoms of POTS. Also, choline deficiency impaired mitochondrial function, which they're showing by reduction in oxygen consumption, mitochondrial potential and glycolytic activity, which really means that <clears throat> you can't produce your energy and the glycolytic activity is the beginning of the Krebs cycle, which is how you start getting your energy and you break down glucose. So choline deficiency caused by these two gene um, polymorphisms, okay, reduced the person's ability to have ATP or energy, which contributed to or maybe caused the POTS. So when these POTS cells were treated with choline, the transporter was upregulated and an uptake of choline was increased, offering an option for patient treatment. One of the things that Sean and I and Cynthia and, and, and Sterling and uh, Ben Lynch and people like that, we were putting together saying, gee, we look at dysautonomias, um, we look at POS, we look at orthostatic uh, intolerance, we look at uh, mastocytosis, mast cell activation disorder, and on and on and on and on and on. The first thing we start screaming is cell wall uh, integrity. Okay, the cell walls are leaky 
like heck. And leaky doesn't mean that they're just leaky. It means that they're dysfunctional in many different aspects. Okay, especially when you start looking now at mitochondrial function or the inability to create uh, energy. Um, this study, which I was real happy to find, uh, supported my view that maybe some of these things could be cured or at least better handled by paying attention to the cell wall integrity. It was another study from the Korean Journal of Pain uh, putting together uh, POTS with migraines and fibromyalgia. I think the takeaway is, I think you're beginning to see that POTS is not a standalone thing. So, you know, is it a primary or a secondary thing? POTS and chronic fatigue, POTS and fibromyalgia, POTS and fibromyalgia and migraine, POTS and dysautonomia, POTS and leaky gut syndrome. Anybody beginning to see some trends? Okay, the biggest problem, my friends, <clears throat> is that we tend to look at these admittedly difficult diseases and, and, and painful and annoying and, and hidden. Hidden is the word because you can't see it and, and your friends and your family and, and your doctors and your other healthcare providers don't believe that you have a problem. They do tests and then they treat when they give it a name. Here it is, pox. And then they give you, here you go, have some salt and water. You know? And you wonder, gee, is this secondary to something else or is this the way I have to live for the rest of my life? Okay, do I have to take these medicines that are really messing with me or is there something else going on? Uh, that's a question I keep asking myself. So if POTS is a dysautonomia, there are other conditions like fluoroquinolone toxicity, uh, mold, biotoxin illnesses, neuroimmune diseases, autoimmune diseases, mitochondrial dysfunction, could be included in the fold. Uh, Dysautonomia uh, occur as a result of other diseases like diabetes, multiple system atrophy, Guillain-Barre syndrome, Lyme disease, Lyme disease, Lyme disease. Gee, where do we see Lyme disease? Everywhere, everywhere on the earth, right? And Lyme disease affects practically every system. Or Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, the uh, collagen um, problem that uh, the other person mentioned, okay, uh, and a number of other conditions that could affect the nervous system can result in something that expresses as POTS. So dysautonomia, all of these things create long-term inflammation. So if dysautonomia is a result of long-term inflammation, agreeably, I'm, I'm uh, you know, making a uh, presumption. I think it's a good presumption. Okay, then leaky gut syndrome, food allergies, parasites, candida, SIBO, mold toxicity, and a whole mess of bugs like bacteria, fungi, viral, did I say parasites? No, I didn't. <laughs> and autoimmunities can be involved. Essentially, anything that causes inflammation. And this is where I get upset with doctors who treat um, the end result of things as if it's a separate entity by itself. It's not a standalone diagnosis. POTS is a syndrome, and it's secondary to something. Even the ones that are called primary POTS are probably secondary to something else that has not been discovered yet. And I think we should insist that our healthcare providers and researchers keep looking and looking and looking because if it is second to something, something else, if it's secondary to something else, then the probability of curing or the probability of mitigating the disease, you know, better controlling it is there. Right now, somebody gets a diagnosis of POTS and they're basically told, it stinks to be you. 
So, reality, my reality, sorry, dysautonomia, pause, is secondary to something else. If dysautonomia is secondary to some other entity, then eradication of that entity is indicated. And this includes the amelioration of the what that entity's damage did to the body. We often forget that if you have Lyme, if you have strep, if you have something else, and you go and you get it and you kill the bugs, and if they've been re- hanging around for a while, okay, they've done damage to the body in the neurological system, in the endocrinological system, in the immune system, and that has to be dealt with. You know, what makes us successful in what we do is we tend to look at both ends and we tend to look at the genes as guideposts to point us in directions that tell us, hey, this person's system in this area would be more prone to break down under a certain oxidative stress load. Okay, so inflammation, immune upregulation, neurotransmitter imbalances, leaky gut syndrome, cell wall hyperpermeability. This was from an old thing, so he said, let's go back. Let's go back and see and remember how traditional medicine treats those conditions like ME, CFS, fibromyalgia, MCS. These things are not diagnostic entities unto themselves. These are complexes. These are not diagnoses. And perhaps they're secondary to something else or more accurately the downstream effect of something else. So what I did was way back when is I made a chart. Okay, and I looked at chronic Lyme, fibromyalgia, uh, MECFS, and positive dysautonomia, and guess what? A lot of the symptoms are the same. Now, granted, each one has its little, you know, has its individuality. Okay, but a lot of the symptoms are the same. So there may be common causations, and I guess what I'm trying to get across tonight, and what a seed that I'm trying to put in everybody's mind, is that. If there's common causations, maybe it's infections. Genetic predisposition is all well and good, but let's not forget that genes load the gun, but environment pulls the trigger. Environmental toxins. Okay, let's go back to Dr. Seneff and the gliophosphates. Oh, my God, in that two hours, I learned more than I learned in the past two years. Now I know why people are getting sick at such early ages. Okay, environmental toxins. These things lead to neurotransmitter imbalances, and those are mood disorders, okay? And they affect the autonomic nervous system, not the, not only the voluntary nervous system, okay? Hormonal imbalances because of the association between neurology, endocrinology, and immunology, trauma. And all, of these, all of these things result in inflammation. If you go to PubMed and you start looking around inflammation, inflammation is the name of the game. Okay, everybody looks at inflammation these days. You know why? Because that's what's causing everything to go awry. So, dysautonomia pots, incurable? And you notice my little thing that says, I hate incurable. I don't think it's incurable, okay? And maybe it's a, maybe it's a point of view thing. Uh, I think of it as a dysautonomia, and if a dysautonomia is an independent entity, then it can't be cured, Okay. But if a dysautonomia, which I spelled wrong this time, is a downstream effect of something, one or more other entities, then cure is possible or at least better control is possible. I, I know some people with POTS, I know lots of people with POTS, okay, or other dysautonomias that would kill to have 50 to 75% improvement so they could live their lives again. I think that's possible. So this kind of information is important because 
what treatment you get depends on where your health care provider stands. You know, if your health care provider looks at you and says, well, you've got a POTS patch on the back, hands you a script and says, sorry, it stinks to be you, you have to demand more. You know, and remember, we're in the United States of America. You can't swing a dead cat not hit a doctor. Okay, so whoever that doctor is, even the biggest and the best, or if they're Johns Hopkins or they're, you know, Boston General, wherever they happen to be, they aren't the only game in town. So where do you stand? Okay, do you... Have you accepted POTS or any of the dysautonomias as an inevitability? And I, I don't mean to be disrespectful to anyone. Everybody knows that that's just not my way. <clears throat> but where do you stand? Okay. Is it possible that this could be secondary to something that could be fixed or we could have better control? I didn't say it was easy. Okay, I went on, got on the phone with a few of my patients yesterday who have problems like this, and a lot of them are still struggling, but they're making progress. They're treating the line. They're doing this. They're doing that. And they weren't upset. They were happy because they're making progress. Okay, they're heading towards that point where there's better control and there's better um, better understanding. I mean, you're not being held in the grip of some amorphous force because you know, you did something bad in a previous life. So anyway, uh, methylation support at the Center for Bioindividualized Medicine. That's that's our new <laughs> moniker, okay? At our office, of course, you get, <clears throat> excuse me, holistic medicine, which is the best of traditional alternative medicine, and you get individualized treatment. Um, as everybody knows by now, that protocols are a four-letter word in my office, okay? And especially in this kind of condition, you need individualized treatment, okay? And we consider genetics, neurology, uh, endocrinology, immunology, leaky gut. This is leaky gut, but that's what can I say? Immune abnormalities, mitochondrial dysfunction, and cell wall stability, and all the reasons that those areas can become dysfunctional. So we've seen an interesting, interesting trend over the past several months. We've been inundated with patients from other practitioners especially these famous people who charge an awful lot of money, okay, but they have a lot of failures, okay, and with the addition of Dr. Kashuba in our office, we've had the the ability to do IV therapy, and given uh, the way Sean and I think and our ability to diagnose and treat, a lot of people have been getting better, and we developed very, very specific treatment plans, so... Uh, if you have further questions or wanted a consultation, you can contact us at our contact page at methylationsupport.com. My phone number is there, and Sean's phone number is there if you want to individually um, speak with us. I, I offer a 15-minute uh, complimentary consultation so you can ask questions uh, so I can make sure for myself at least that uh, I can help you. Anyway, uh, it is Q&A time. So in the words of Pat Benatar, Hit me with your best shot. The call in is 646-595-2277. And given the response I got a while ago, <laughs> I sort of expect to be uh, shot at. So go for it, people. Ask questions on the chat or feel free to call in, 6 person in the 704 area code. Are you there? I am. I have a, a question. 
Please. I'm sorry. I have a question. I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm glad to find you, and thank you for all of your extensive uh, research. I, I think I'm, I'm flabbergasted and um, shocked that, that somebody can put all the pieces together. This just happened to show up on Facebook yesterday. Um, we have been searching for eight years, and I have a child. I just spoke with a neurologist for 45 minutes tonight, and he wants to do a clinic called the Mystery Diagnosis Clinic. Um, multiple diagnoses over and over and over, um, dysautonomia, mitochondrial, immune dysfunction, MTHFR. And in MTHFR, you really got my attention when you started talking about acetylcholine or catecholamine, and you'll have to forgive mm-hmm. me, I'm not versed in all of that. Um, but Please don't apologize. You don't know how long it took me to pronounce the words right, and I had to practice them. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll never forget the word and the cat anymore. I'll never See, forget that. But when they, <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. Um, and so when they attempted to treat his MTHFR, we went to the emergency room eight times. And now they oh. know that there was an uh, issue with his acetylcholine. And um, they don't know what caused it because now what happened was everybody got afraid. So it went from the child with MTHFR that we were going to attempt to treat to the child with MTHFR that nobody will touch. Um, that uh, I'm sorry, did you finish your question? I apologize. No, and, and also dysautonomia. I think the thing for, for me, and then I also have a friend who's desperately searching for her child, is we find a lot of people who believe that they're versed in one thing, finding somebody who can put the pieces together. And when you say my child's name, most of the time, if it's an integrated practitioner and in, in North Carolina in this area, when you say my child's first name, they will probably say his last name. That's how involved um, mm-hmm. I am with trying to find an answer, but well, we're still just digging and looking. Well, I'm glad. I'm, I'm very happy for your call because you brought up several very salient points. Number one, um, MTHFR by itself is inadequate to make a judgment on the methylation pathway. Okay, it's a okay. single gene and a sea of genes. Okay, <clears throat> that's yep. the reason that uh, we recommend that people get the 23andMe and run it through uh, Sterling's app at mthfrsupport.com because you end up with a 19-page report with 300 polymorphisms, and now you have a, now you have a view of the folate methylation and methionine transsulfuration pathway, the electron transport chain of the mitochondria, the biopterin pathway, uh, you know, that performs the neurotransmitters. You're looking at the enzymes that break down the neurotransmitters, I mean, to look at a single gene, by the way, there are 50, count them, five zero MTHFR genes, and they test for two. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then they start treating with methylating groups, which only works if you're lucky. Okay, I'm sorry. It only works okay. if you're lucky. So to look at the genes, uh, one doesn't treat genes. One looks at them and <clears throat> tells you where things might weaken up. And also, it does give you some, some mode of treatment. And as you can tell from, our, from my, my little diatribe tonight, that a lot of things are interrelated. Okay, so you start having mm-hmm. what you need. What you need is a detective, which is one of my monikers is the Sherlock Holmes of chronic diseases, is I look at things from literally that detective point of view and start looking for the root cause and the downstream effects and treat them both at the same time. 
you're a victim, your child's a victim of specialization. Okay, everybody's a specialist and nobody's a generalist. And what you mm-hmm. really need is somebody who can see everything. And one of my jokes that I tell my patients, and I joke constantly, is uh, that I'm a generalized specialist, and so is Sean, and so is Cynthia, and the people who we work with. The reason why we're teaching this, and we taught, or we've just taught a seminar, okay, was because the, the desire uh, for the healthcare providers are desiring this information and want to relearn or learn primarily how to put it all together because you can learn methylation, and I sit there and go, so what? You know, if you don't know how to put it all together. Okay, exactly. you need this is what and, um, you know, it sounds like that's exactly what uh, that's what most people are looking for. Somebody can you, you know, for somebody coming and say, can you read it? Twenty three may say yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, can you tell me what's wrong? But I have MTHFR. I'm like, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's sort of a little bit more than that. Okay. But um, when it comes to significant illnesses like this that have been everywhere, and you haven't found answers. That's that's what we do for a living. Okay. Yeah, thirty thousand dollars in two years. That's amazing. 30, and, I mean, you know, totally broke because everybody promised they could fix it, and they they gave up. They would hit a roadblock, and then what would happen is they would give up. And so, where I'm sorry to ask, where where are you? I am in Philadelphia, and I. I treat people over the internet, over the over Skype, over the phone. You don't have to come up here and uh, see me. And uh, let's see, you spend thirty thousand dollars. Picture about one tenth of that will probably be my total. Um, <laughs> one tenth. Wait, one one hundredth of that is probably my, you know, my initial fee. You know, so this is. It's not that it's difficult. I I don't mind difficult cases. I like difficult cases. Um, we actually. You know, we live for difficult cases. It's, you know, we spend the time to do it, and we have very large toolboxes. Okay, so okay. Uh, when I hit a roadblock, my roadblocks, I don't hit roadblocks, okay, because I have tools for different conditions, okay? And, again, that's the problem with specialization. If all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. What happens when it's not a nail? Okay, so. Which is exactly what we're living. You're right. Yeah. And that's the subset of people that I treat. I appreciate you calling in because you brought up some very good points. I hope to uh, be able to help you in the future. Thank you so, so much for all you're doing. Thank you. Have a great Bye-bye. night. Bye-bye. Nice person in the 518 area code. Are you there? Hi. Hi. Um my name is Karen Tezak, and I wanted to talk with you about some interesting points I think you were making. Um, I was diagnosed with POTS last April, and everybody in the POTS community kept pointing out to me, you have Lyme. They kept saying you have all the symptoms. Um, I have a specific co-infection that gave me a rash, actually. Mm-hmm. And from treating Lyme, my POTS has gotten so much better. There you go. Um, Say it loud. Like I, Say it loud. <laughs> yeah. Say it loud um, and be proud. I found out in April, my doctor actually sent me to Cleveland Clinic. He's like, I have no clue what to do with you. There's something wrong. I can't fix it. Sent me to Cleveland Clinic where they told me, you have POTS. There's nothing we can do. You're, you don't faint, so you're better off than a lot of people. 
And I wasn't happy with that. I'm like, it's a syndrome. There has to be an answer. There has to be a way to fix it. You can't just – there's a fix for everything. You can't just be sick for no good reason. So I was asking around, and one of my friends, um, Dr. Elizabeth in Seattle, she runs Experience Health, um, she mentioned she knew how to use essential oils to help treating Lyme and was able to help me work out a whole plan for that. And in just a couple of months, I was so much better. What you've, what you've uh, proven for us is that POTS is, can be secondary to something, and even if you have something chronically, because POTS doesn't just happen overnight, okay, it can be either cured or mitigated. In other words, the, it can be significantly improved by not only going after the root cause or causes, but also going after and fixing the downstream effects. Okay, in other words, what the bugs did to the body. Okay, part of that is expressed as POTS, but, you know, the cell wall, uh, cell wall um, permeability uh, and so forth that you're using the essential oils to treat, okay, is, uh, is a real primary thing. And I'm so happy for you. And people should learn from you that you shouldn't accept these diagnoses on face value, even if it happens to come from the Cleveland Clinic or if it happens to come from Johns Hopkins or any other place in the whole wide world, okay, because there's got to be an answer. There has to be an answer. And when you start looking you start looking at the research and realize that there are a lot of things that sort of look the same and they're all syndrome names, it just tells me that they don't know why. They're just naming symptoms. Okay, there's a lot to be said for that. So I applaud very much your actions. Oh, thank you. It's it's interesting because I can look at so many people now and say, you know, there has to be an answer. You have a syndrome. You've been living with it for years, but there's probably a reason for it. <clears throat> I agree. Um, I agree. And you know something? It's, you're, it, it hasn't been us practitioners who have promulgated the whole methylation bioindividualized medicine paradigm. It has been you guys. You guys have demanded of your healthcare practitioners saying, look, you have to learn more about this stuff. You can't just sit back here and say, you know, I don't know and I'm just going to let you go. Okay? You're demanding it. You're expecting it has made the doctors and nurses and everybody else, you know, get out there and start learning again and start learning how to be physicians again and stop following algorithms that are put out by Big Pharma, you know, and start using the, you know, the piece of fat inside their head that God gave them to think. Okay? And they're, and they're coming up with the same con- the same conclusions we are. I mean, we just came up with them first. So, uh, you know, I'm glad. I'm just so glad to hear somebody, you know, looked at, looked at a uh, chronic disease and said, ha, ha, I'm going to defeat you, which you did. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, this one says live. There's not even a number here. Is somebody there? Hmm. Guess not. Okay. Guys, there's a, there's a whole mess of people in the uh, in the chat room. Okay, some people are typing up a storm here. Okay, the call-in number is 646-595-2277. 
And from our last two callers, you can see that, you know, it might be a possibility. It might be able to fix POTS. It might be able to fix orthostatic intolerance. Uh, the uh, individual who had uh, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, the um, joint hypermobility syndrome, uh, sometimes I tend to see that after fluoroquinolone toxicity issues. And sometimes the fix can be high doses of, light, of um, vitamin C either intravenously or liposomally because it will um, take proline, which is, uh, which is part of your collagen, uh, and make it into hydroxyproline. So think of uh, proline as twine and hydroxyproline as steel cable. Uh, I don't know if that would work. I know that it won't hurt. Uh, but it is a, it's a thought that sometimes the elasticity of the collagen or the connective tissue can be um, maybe changed a bit. Maybe the condition could be improved. There is a question on the chat. My sister's 11 was just diagnosed with dysautonomia. She also has issues with thyroid and sugar, has major inflammation and vision issues and pain. We've gone from doctor to doctor with no answers yet. What would you recommend? Well, <clears throat> I wish I could give you a a pat answer, okay? But this is why people like myself practice because this type you're you're absolutely correct. It's all inflammation, okay? She's uh, let me just pop this up again. Okay, it's all inflammation. Inflammation. What I have seen in practice, and you guys might be interested in this is that I'll see somebody when I take a history, and I believe me, I take a history from the womb. If anybody's ever had one of my histories, I'll ask, you know, what did your mom say about her pregnancy with you? <laughs> I'll start off with that. Okay, and that's where I start. And you begin to see where the inflammation started. Usually it's a leaky gut or whatever it happens to be. And then as time goes on, what the inflammation has done because it expresses in different types of symptoms, uh, you may get uh, go from just say gut issues or food allergies to autoimmune diseases. And generally speaking, autoimmune diseases, you don't get one, you get several. Okay, and then later on, I begin to see people with dysautonomias, <clears throat> the, uh, the um, thyroid and adrenals and the uh, sex organs are usually involved because of the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, the hypothalamic pituitary uh, thyroid axis and the hypothalamic pituitary gadadal axis. They all kind of work together, okay? And uh, so to have thyroid problems, not too unusual with, um, with this kind of inflammation because she probably has a big bout of Hashimoto's, which is considered autoimmune, but guess what? I don't believe it's incurable either, okay? Um, the sad thing, the sad thing is I am seeing this happening in younger and younger and younger people. I've been a healthcare provider for 38 years. Okay, I was a nurse for 10 years. I've been a chiropractor for 28 years now. Okay, and I used to see these exhaustion syndromes and all this kind of stuff happening in older people. I'm now beginning to see it in 11, 12, 13 year olds. And I think it's with the increased toxicity in the environment uh, that, whole, that old saying of genetics slows the gun and environment pulls the trigger. Okay. Um, is is absolute okay so if you feel as, as this person's writing that she has a major leaky gut syndrome remember that that is the reason 
a major reason for inflammation. If you work on that first, you're going to cut the inflammation by 50% easy. Okay? Uh, and if you take the time to do it correctly, and I have, um, if you go to my website, you'll see the radio shows. I have an entire show on leaky gut syndrome, okay, and how to fix it. Uh, and it's not that hard. Okay, it takes a little time. Okay? Um, but there's so many things that you can do by just fixing the leaky gut, which includes giving the body phospholipids so that it can start healing the cells. Okay? The call-in number, again, is 646-595-2277. So the bottom line for the person who's asked this question is, this is not something you can do yourself. Okay, this, uh, this is something you have to do with an experienced healthcare provider who can look at the whole picture. Okay, who is experienced in looking at the whole picture. Um, when you go to a methylation practitioner, you should assure yourself that that's not all that they do. Okay, they didn't take a course in methylation, a weekend course, and say, you're on. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> you, with this kind of case, you need somebody who's been practicing this for a long time and has been u- utilizing uh, different testing and is very, very, very experienced in handling um, this type of complex case and has the ability of ruling out other nasty things also, okay, because sometimes the person just hasn't been properly diagnosed. Anybody else out there got some questions? Come on, I know. Last time I did a dysautonomia lecture, you know, I thought I thought they were going to be downstairs with the pitchforks and uh, and the um, the knives and the torches and everything. I thought I was going to have to run out the back. I know not everybody out there agrees with me. Okay, maybe people do agree with me. It could be good. I don't know. Should I do the cat sound again? <laughs> Sorry, I'm being funny tonight, or I'm trying to be funny at least. Okay. Uh, again, the call-in number is 646-595-2277. Hi, nice person in the 713 area code. This is Dr. Romine. How are we doing? How are we doing? I'm doing well. How are you, for? Pretty good, pretty good. Hey, listen, uh, I had a couple of questions for you. Um, I won't go in great detail um, with because I have an array of issues going on. But uh, but long story short, um, I was diagnosed with, I guess the co-infections of Lyme had Bartonella, mm-hmm. had Babesia, had all of it. Um, it's been a little bit odd because most of the markers of Lyme, um, I don't. Most of my markers are in range and normal, um, but I showed up all the co-infections. I did the Fry less the Fry Labs test in Arizona. I had biofilm. I've got parvo, I've got mycoplasm, biofilm. I had a multitude of viruses on top of the co-infections of Lyme. So basically, long story short, the doctor that I'm working with here in Houston, um, he's very experienced, um, has been doing a good job. I guess the issue I have is um, I was diagnosed from an actual cardiologist uh, here in Houston with POTS, the tilt table test, and Mm -hmm. he had put me on fluorocortisone, and mm-hmm. when I say I'm completely opposed to medication for most part, I truly mean it because I, with the lines, I think I've uh, I've developed so many, I guess, allergic reactions. I, I don't handle medication well at all. Half the supplements mm-hmm. I'm allergic to as well when I get muscle tested. But um, my 
my question is, in the meantime, as my doctor and I are working to try and alleviate, you know, the limes and working and doing it, and we're doing a fairly good job in the meantime. Glad to hear it. Is, is taking fluorocortisone um, and, and the salt intake that, you know, from modern medicine, that's kind of one of the, the first two things that they recommend. Is there any, I guess, detriment to taking that while I'm trying to get the limes portion figured out? You know what I mean? Okay. I'm going to answer you in, in a bit of a roundabout way because um, on the radio program, I I shouldn't, and it's inappropriate for me to mention or make an opinion about a particular drug or, you know, very something sure. specific. But Understood. Let me let me answer you in this in this manner. Uh, when you're talking about using band aids, okay, which is exactly what you're talking about, <clears throat> there's no dishonor in using a band aid when you're bleeding. The dishonor occurs when all you give somebody is a band aid and don't don't bother to find out, you know, what the source of the bleeding is. Okay, right. so would I go about it that way? I may go about it a completely different way. Okay, but I often tell my patients, listen, this is a Band-Aid, but it's going to give you better homeostasis. It's going to allow you to, to live better. Okay, and we're in the process of, you know, killing off what caused this in the first place. Okay, now right. you might want to consider a little bit later on working with somebody like a naturopath or so forth to make sure that, you know, your cells are working well and yada, 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 yada. Okay, but you're going about it the right way. And, um, you know, even though I'm an alternative medicine practitioner, and I am not anti-medicine. I am anti the injudicious use of medicine. Okay? I'm, a, I'm anti the injudicious use of anything. Okay? Sure. Because you're not thinking. You don't care about your patient then. But uh, in answer to your question, don't be afraid to use band-aids because when you achieve a bit of a homeostasis, that your body's not fighting anymore. It can, re- it can rest, relax, and heal. Okay, sure. then when the time comes with your physician, you decide to switch things over. You know, if you run into walls and you, you either go to a different expert or somebody who does like genetics like we do in integrative medicine because taking care of that end is um, usually what we do. But um, sure. no, don't, sure. be, don't, be, don't be afraid to use the Band-Aid if you need it. Okay? Okay. Well, the, one, right. one last question real quick. On the, sure. uh, on the leaky gut, which obviously you know, I got enough bugs and viruses that I, that that's created uh, definitely a leaky gut issue. Um, yeah, is there any recommendations that you can make off of, uh, I mean, just o- over the phone tonight that as far as food sensitivity tests, I've had ALCAT done. It's extremely expensive. Is there any other you know, leaky gut or food permeability test that you reading, recommend? Uh, treating a leaky gut does, to a certain extent, um, involve food allergies and staying away from the nasty guys. <clears throat> Sometimes people will just recommend you stay away from the big three, you know, gluten, casein, and soy. But mm-hmm. fixing a leaky gut is, is what most people don't do. And this is going to sound really weird, but what most people don't do. I, I, I do histories all the time, you know? And I'm sitting and saying, so what did you do to fix your gut? I'm on a GAPS diet. Yes. <laughs> okay. What have you done to fix right. your gut? I'm uh, gluten-free. I'm like, yes. <laughs> okay. Right, they're not right. doing anything to actually fix the gut. Now, the, the gut has got some major layers, like a mucus layer on top. It's called the extrinsic barrier. Okay, that's where your biota live, and that's where secretory IgA hangs out. 
Okay, it's got the uh, the brush border and the cells. They're always talking about the um, the tight junctions and uh, the holes that can be created. Okay, and again, if you go to my website, I have an entire um, an entire podcast on leaky gut syndrome and how it, how to fix it. Okay, I can't prescribe or treat over the radio, but this that particular podcast will give you a very good idea of things that you can do to help yourself out right now. To help remember, leaky gut is not just fixing the leaky enterocytes. You're fixing all the leaky cells in the body, the leaky mitochondria, the leaky blood-brain barrier. You know, it's not as it's not just the gut you're fixing. You're fixing the whole body by doing this. You know, and the biggest thing that people don't do is they don't attend to a mucus layer. Okay, and it's like. What you guys forget about it? It's there. You yeah, know? Right. It's going to be if you don't if you don't have it, you're not going to trap the you're not going to trap the uh, the bad boys, you know. And if you don't trap those bad boys, they're going to go in and they're going to you know wreak havoc with your immune system, you know. And it's the simplest thing to do in the world. So, uh, yeah, I would suggest you listen to that podcast. It's a grand, grand total of twenty minutes, and uh, I kind of let loose on exactly how to do that. But I appreciate, yeah, I, I appreciate it. Not a problem. Take care. Nice person in the 317 area code. This is Dr. Jess. Hi. Uh, my name is Jill. Um, hi, Jill. I've, I've lost sound on um, on the podcast, so I've, I haven't got, been able to catch everything that you've said, but I've been trying to take notes on the stuff that I can hear. Now that I'm on the phone, I I can hear you. So, um, okay. I'm Just so you know, the uh, podcast will be re- Podcast is recorded, so you can get it. You can get the archive okay. really easy. Okay. Well, go ahead. Okay, great. Um, well, I was I was diagnosed with POTS um, about a month ago. After I mean years of trying to figure out um, the reasons behind all of my symptoms, and I'll, obviously we know that this is probably secondary to whatever else is going on. But um, mm-hmm. I've had seven MRIs in my history. I'm 38 years old. Um, I've had seven brain MRIs in my history. It all have been normal. Most of my stuff has been neurological uh, in terms of mm-hmm. uh, symptoms. Um, but uh, the POT symptoms have just gotten, I, I am calling it those because that's the only thing I know I have, um, uh, have gotten so much worse over the last year. And I fit the bill for, um, you know, the typical person that I guess they describe as someone who has the tendency to get this i've had i've had a surgery it had there was trauma involved that was about two years ago i've had three kids um i've had some high stress things you know happen in my life plus i've got the hormones and all that kind of stuff and my Mm -hmm. age and all that so um the only things i know is that i have that and i'm uh compound heterozygous mthfr i work with integrated health specialist she tested me for just about everything else you can possibly think of. I've not done the 23andMe, um, mm-hmm. but the symptoms are causing so much anxiety for me that I'm having, mm-hmm. and I, I'm a full-time teacher, that I've also been referred by my neurologist to get some biofeedback treatment. Um, I just started that about two weeks ago, and they uh, sent me to a, you know, a prescriber there who thinks I need to be on some sort of an anxiety medication. Um, and I'm kind of anti-medication um, mm-hmm. altogether. It makes me nervous to think about taking it. But the cardiologist put me on a beta blocker, so I've now been on that for three weeks, and now I'm being told I should be taking, you know, an SSRI. 
and I just don't know what to do. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, uh, let me take this piece by piece. Uh, number one, um, when somebody starts putting you on SSRIs or psychotropic agents without uh, testing for neurotransmitters, they're guessing, okay? Uh, especially in okay. a condition like yours, you don't, you don't, you don't guess. Okay, you test and you um, respond to this testing, okay? Um, okay? It's real obvious that you have a lot of brain inflammation going on, okay? So the root cause of that has to be discovered. Um, and sometimes uh, you, uh, with all the lab tests you've obviously had, uh, if we were to review them, uh, sometimes you get sideways indicators of where it might be coming from. Okay, sometimes it isn't direct. You say, you say, hey, look, I see this, this, and this in Lyme. You know, let's check it a little further. I say, okay, I've had a Lyme test, but it was a screening test, which is inadequate. Okay. Uh, okay. What, would, um, what I'm hearing is that you've gone from having this upregulated inflammation to, into a dysautonomia. And the mechanism of that, in my opinion, is that is long-term inflammation and its effect on the receptors. Okay, so you have to get at the inflammation, you have to get at the root cause and the reason for the inflammation. Uh, what I generally suggest when somebody is as complex as you and but has a very good practitioner that uh, has done a lot of testing but has perhaps hit a bit of a wall is uh, the, I usually ask them to call me and we, you, you, I, and the practitioner can get together and uh, reason everything out. Like you just send everything over to me, and we take some time and tear it into pieces. Okay, because okay. in the history somewhere, we're going to find out what the root causes, and I do mean multiple, are. We're going to find out what to do about it, and what testing has been done that has been adequate, inadequate. And it's reflecting, you know, and that, you know, when you do, just for an example, you do neurotransmitter testing, right? It doesn't matter whether you use amino acids as a treatment or you use pharmaceuticals. Okay, you know what's low and what's high. You know what to give. Okay, so right. if they're giving you an SSRI, they're assuming that you have low serotonin. You may not have low serotonin. Okay, and if they're giving you a, a benzodiazepine, they're saying you have low GABA. Well, guess what? The benzodiazepine is what's called a GABAergic agent, which means that it releases GABA from wherever it's stored. And guess what? You may not have any. <laughs> All right? Okay. So if you, ain't got it, you ain't, if you ain't got it, you ain't got it. So you may need like a phenylated GABA to you know, supply your body with GABA or at least make sure that the glutamine getting into your gut is converting to glutamate and then to GABA. Uh, the um, Like you heard me uh, tell the other lady, um, you know, Compound heterozygous MTHFR is certainly uh, of, in, of interest and of significance, but it is inadequate to make judgments on the entire biochemical pathway, okay? Because okay. with somebody like yourself, the GAD genes, which are the uh, glutamate to carboxylases that convert glutamate to GABA, are, are definitely going to be involved. Your uh, ability to break down your neurotransmitters, your catecholamines, and I'm not going to make the cat sound again because uh, everybody laughs when I make the cat sound. Um, but, you know, catecholamethyltransferase or monoamine oxidase are not reflected, and those are going to be very, very, very important, you know, in how you treat somebody. Uh, it's a matter of having a couple of open-minded doctors, and it sounds like your doc might be pretty well open-minded to sit there and say, okay, 
you know, let's give this a fresh look. Okay, because that's what you usually required is to have someone come in either as a consultant or as a primary treater and say, okay, let's take a good look at what the heck's going on here because something's been missed or something's been, you know, and the typical one I say, oh, I was checked for Lyme. Really? How? And they did, you know, the ELISA test and that's just not reflecting what's going on. Okay, and you can right. have chronic okay. li- chronic neural Lyme, and it be totally missed. Okay, if you okay. don't look and say, "Hmm, we better look here," and there are other tests that could be done, and you know, you're and again in your history, you're going to see it. Okay, and you've had a lot of stressors. You have three children. Anybody with three children's got stressors. Are you getting? You know, I mean, right. really. All right, so you know that your adrenal glands are shot, and you know there's a lot of things that start entering into that consi- that that kind of balance. So. Um, it sounds like you got a great doc, so if he or she wants to chatter with me, I'd be very happy to, to go through things um, with him or her and um, okay. make some salient suggestions. She said she's actually chatted with you on Facebook before. She said she actually called me today to tell me to, to listen to you. So um, she's definitely, you know, in tune with what no, you... No, I'm very happy. I'd be very happy to... I do it often. I, you know, I don't, I don't take... You know, when somebody's got a good practitioner... And they want to stay with them. I I work side by side. You know, I'll sit down okay. with the practitioner and them and say, okay, let's go. Because there's no there's no dishonor or you know finger pointing. It's just like it's a learning session. You know, like okay, let's look at this. Yeah. Let's look at that. Let's get this. Oh, hey, this is uh you know this can mean that. You know, if we got a better study here, we you know we'd elucidate that. You know, how about working on this gut? You know, what have we done? Da 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 da. How about we have this and this and this? I found in my practice that helps. You know, this is what we all learn. We all learn by sharing. You know, right. and nothing I have is nothing I have is proprietary. All my knowledge is right there out in the open. What people do, all people have to do is ask me. You know, I don't have to say, oh, I've got a secret. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's not the way it works. But if I don't miss my guess, um, the people who have worked with you have done their absolute best and probably need to, you know, need a, a, another set of eyes on things. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with that, you know? I can't tell you the amount okay. of times I walk into Sean and say, Sean, what do you think about this hormone panel? You know, and he walks in and says, what do you think about those neurotransmitters, you know? It's, right. You know, we all, we talk to Ben Lynch, hey, Ben, what do you think about this? You know, I'll call Sterling up. I'll call Cynthia up. I don't have any ego when it concerns my patients. I just want everybody to get better, that's all. Well, that's, that's great. I will definitely um, throw some of these things at her and see if she can maybe connect with you too or, you know, mm. figure out a way to... If she's spoken to me on Facebook... Then she knows how to get in touch with me. Be very happy to take take care take care of things. Okay, take okay. care. Thanks Thank for calling, and I appreciate it. Bye bye. Okay. Nice person in the two one zero area code. Yes, how you doing? Uh, name's Brandon. I actually just asked a question online, um, but didn't want to miss the opportunity to get it answered um, before you got off the air. So. Um, if I gave you my whole yeah, history, I was, re- probably, I was, re- I was yeah. reading it, but there's not a lot I can answer over the area. Over the air about um, you've been asking about different medications, Brandon. Okay, and yeah. and I'm not, a, and it's inappropriate for me to comment on them um, on a radio show. But you know what I do do is mm-hmm. if you call my office, I offer a 15 minute um, get acquainted session. You know, and it doesn't it doesn't cost anything. So, 
if you called tomorrow and made like a, a schedule for that, we could go over a few of these things. I just can't talk about some of these things on the air. It's not. It's just not right. Okay, I understand that. Okay. Okay. Um, and I mean, the, and, I and it's complex what question. you're saying. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Right. My. Uh, um, yeah, like I said, that that is complex. But uh, the second part of it is in August. Um, I, I, I was diagnosed in in November of 2012. In August uh, of last year, I coughed up blood, my lungs slammed shut, and I've been dealing with this kind of lung issue that's been different. Um, and I've read a little bit about uh, different POTS forms and and heard of people kind of dealing with this, but nobody has anything definitive. Um, have you heard of anybody? I've had four bronchoscopies. They haven't been able to really find anything um, other than I have, my veins are friable and when I have these blood pressure spikes uh, because of that's, the pot. That's exactly um, the reason for it. You probably have these patches of um, – I'll give you. I'll give you an analogy – uh, and people in their nose, um, you have uh, turbinates uh, that are covered with uh, uh, capillary plexi. And the purpose of the capillaries is to warm and moisten the air as it goes over the turbinates. Think of these hills, okay, as before it goes into your lungs. Now you get a cold and the turbinates swell, and the airflow over the turbinates is changed so it becomes friable and they crack and you start getting nosebleeds. Okay, in your lungs you can have these almost varicosities, uh, varicose veins, or these patches of of open, um, uh, not open, but uh, patches of uh, capillaries that are a little closer to the skin that, under blood pressure uh, changes and so forth, can kind of burst and ooze a little bit, and give you that uh, coughing up or the frothy blood, um, and uh, the way to deal with that. Uh, of course, is to do exactly what you've had is bronchoscopies and make sure you don't have anything nasty going on. Uh, the way that I usually go after that is almost the same way that I treat leaky gut by le- by um, paying attention to what is necessary to uh, rebuild cell walls and so forth. Um, and um, like I said, if you if you read my or go to my leaky gut lecture, okay, you'll find out that it's not just fixing leaky guts, but it's fixing leaky cells, okay, and when you want to get the cell walls stronger, okay, there are certain things you can do over time, okay, to help support those cell walls, and that's in the phospholipid range, like in phospholocholine or lecithins and so forth, okay. In our society, we tend to not get enough phospholipids in. When we're under assault, um, our cells suffer because they can't uh, rebuild themselves, without the fossil lipids, you know. So that would be one idea, and I've, I have heard of that before, not specifically with POTS, but I've heard that in practice before when people, you know, they'll strain or, and then all of a sudden they're, you know, coughing up a little bit of blood, and it's kind of self-limiting, but it's scary. Yeah, it is scary. All right, I appreciate mm-hmm. it, and I'll take a look. All right, now, you take care. All right, bye-bye. All right, thank you. Hi, you're on the air with Dr. Jess. How are you? Hello, Hello. is that me? Hello, I'm calling from the UK. I kind of thought so. I had a funny number up there. I figured it wasn't around the United States, but how are you? Yeah, I am in the UK and I have POTS also. 
Um, and basically here we're not getting anyone look at the cause really at all. Um, and I'm just ending up in A&E twice a week, um, which is not good. And now I'm having seizures with it and an irregular mm. heart rate, um, which is Yeah, scary. the system in UK is horrible, I've noticed. I, I have a lot of yeah. patients in UK. I mean a lot. I have uh, I start my I start my day in UK, Scotland, Ireland, every day, <laughs> and then yeah, we're back with the United States, you know. Um, yeah. You know they uh, depending on um, what the uh, the base reasons are. If you have there are um, there are labs uh, that can be utilized um, to you know discover certain things. Um, mm-hmm. I know I know all the labs in UK. I know them in Germany. Uh, the ones that we use to find out, you know, your neurotransmitters, so stool testing and Lyme testing. Some stuff has to be sent to the United States. Um, I have got it, Lyme. I've got Lyme um, confirmed, and I some treatment. Um, but I think maybe from what you've been saying, I'm getting more and more inflamed. Um, uh-huh. And during this, the pots has got worse. Well, um, you're you're proving the fact that the pots and inflammation are correlated. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, do you have a naturopath or someone you work with? I have someone in America that I work with who is struggling and would like me over there, but because I've been in A&E having fits, um, I'm actually going to very low oxygen levels, um, blood pressure 60 over 20 Saturday night, mm-hmm. Um, heart rate of 210 out of it um, and nothing was done I was just sent home when I recovered about six hours later well um, you know I I, I I can't speak to the emergency uh, services no. where you're at but you know if you're um, if you keep working on the inflammation okay mm. and and your practitioner like I told the prior um uh, the prior caller, you know, if your practitioner yeah. wants to consult with me about what else can be done, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, but, but of course, you know, we're you know we're dealing with, you know, somebody who has a very late bout blood pressure, and that can be yeah. dangerous, you know, and um, yeah. there's certain medications you probably need to be on at least in the short term, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I know that that's that's a dirty word, medications, but. Uh, yeah. You know, you need to stabilize. You need to stabilize while, while you're being fixed. So, uh, yeah. if it's believe me when I tell you that if you have Lyme, you probably have co-infections. Uh, you, yeah. There's things really that need to be done. Like yeah, and uh, and I know that uh, that England is famous for not treating Lyme. Uh, Australia does not recognize Lyme as an entity, so don't feel bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. My yeah, Australian I mean I've been told here. Yeah. Yeah, so, I also uh, think I have EDS as well. Um, I, I don't have doubt it. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of things tend to go together genetically. Okay, mm-hmm. but always remember that even though when you say that, you know, and yeah. when I say that things go to get together genetically, it does not mean that it is untreatable. All it means is that genetic flows the gun and environment pulls the trigger. So there's a lot of people with a lot of different genetic polymorphisms, and they don't express 
Otherwise, anybody who had genes from rheumatoid arthritis would have rheumatoid arthritis, you know? Yeah. But that's not true. Okay, mm-hmm. so it is possible if we pool our resources and pool our brains that we can make the condition better. And if, you've work, if you're working with somebody in America who you're, uh, who you're fond of and they want they yeah. to pick my brain a little bit, I'd be very happy to work with them. That would be great. I mean, I'm yeah. afraid my primary care doctor gets the brunt of it and has had me in today and have my legs up because I can't sit upright to speak to her. Um, I don't know why my heart beats now are regular and this is all the time and why that's leading to seizures is a little beyond me. Um, my uh, my first thought would be electrolyte imbalances. Okay, that's usually not, the reason for seizures. I also run a fever um, a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not really high, but it's low grade, and obviously that pushes your heart rate up anyway. Um, and that obviously is making it worse. When you think about it, if you have a if you have an embedded infection, and yeah. it rears its head every once in a while, your body's going to try and fight it with fever. Okay. Yeah. The result of the damage that the infection creates is um, damage to the cell walls. Okay, this damage to the cell walls can create electrolyte disturbances by allowing too much sodium in and too much potassium out and messing with the chloride and so forth and so on. And depending on what part of your body and what your genetic predispositions are, you're going to express those imbalances in a certain way. Okay, and it sounds like you've got, you know, a perfect storm of things, which is sad, but it's still it's still doable, you know, if we look at it from a certain point of view. Sometimes there's um there's intravenous phospholipids that are available, you know, that could you know, shore up cell walls quickly. Okay, you have to know what you're doing. Okay, and I don't know where you would get that in the UK, but I have friends in UK that I may be able to ask and find out, you know. Oh, uh, but, you know, I it is definitely... Of... Sorry? I was, I was just going to say, I've got quite a few friends that have come out to a clinic in California, and I think that they have had IV for the thing that you've just said. Yeah, the PK um, protocol, and I, yeah. and I think I know the clinic you're talking about. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. uh, there's clinics there, there's clinics on the East Coast here. Yeah, it's available. Yeah. You know, and yeah. you're not all that far away, although traveling by aircraft might I'm be tough I'm fasting with a decision, for you. should I travel like this? <laughs> um, Very you know, the, 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 the question centers around safety. Okay, yeah. can you safely make a trip? Okay, and that's the only, and if anybody can answer that question, you know, uh, your practitioner, and if your practitioner needs help, you know, we can find a place for you to be, but, 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 you know, can you be safe? Because obviously between pressure changes and dehydration and, you know, all different things, all the toxins that are being thrown at you in aircraft, you know, uh, it might, you might react rather deciduously to it. So <clears throat> safety yeah. is my, my primary concern. Um, mm-hmm. And I wish I knew some other places that, or maybe a train ride away for you, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that would be um, a lot better with taxi <laughs> cab. Unless I could think, I, I, 
Spain, France. I'll think about it a little bit. Make sure you make sure you make sure you email me and so I have your name and stuff, yeah. okay? Uh so that okay. uh in Is case that's on your Facebook page or Yeah, somebody you can do me on Facebook or you can go to methylationsupport.com dot com and you know, you'll see a, a way of getting in touch with me. Um, because now you get now, now, now you drop something in the back of my brain that's festering. <laughs> ah. <laughs> and, I, and I don't let things fester. I'm going to say, wait, there's got to be something, you know. And there's a few doctors yeah. I know in Germany that might know. You know, I feel like Billy Crystal. I know doctors who know doctors, you know. <laughs> yeah, I need all these doctors together in one place. <laughs> it would be helpful. That's hopefully... That's what we're trying to do is training doctors now, but, you know, uh, it is a toughie getting people to work together yeah. and they kind of having to work um, underneath the radar. It's tough, mm, you know? Yeah. It really is. I mean, the primary care doctors here in England's hands are so tied. Um, mine used to be mm-hmm. anesthetist, and yet she can't give me a midodrine. Um, right. She can't really give They're, me anything. Your hands are tied very badly. Yeah. The hands are tied horribly. Yeah. You know, and that's that's the real that's the real issue. You know. Yeah. Well, thanks for calling, and I wish you luck. Take care. Well, thank you so okay. much, and I'll get in touch. Yeah. Really, really All right, time. thank you. Okay. Bye. 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 Well, I think everybody can see that POTS is a is a very big issue. Okay, and it is secondary to a lot of different conditions. Uh, we heard some hope tonight that uh, if you get after those root causes, you just might be able to either cure or improve the condition and improve the quality of your life. Uh, I'm a great believer that that is a possibility. And I'm a great believer that we shouldn't just leave it as, hey, you've got a chronic condition, you've got dysautonomia, and it stinks to be you. You know, I started this podcasting last November, no, last November 4, with the idea of, you know, empowering everyone with knowledge, okay? And I do my very, I don't claim to be right all the time. I'm right most of the time, okay? But I don't claim to be right all the time. I claim to try my very best. And I always try and give you the best information that's out there. Some of it is speculative, some of it, and I tell you if it's speculative. But it's interesting that the people that I've treated myself along the lines that I've told you, you know, fixing the cell walls, going after the root causes, are the ones that are getting better and better and better. And you're hearing none of the people who called are my patients. Okay, you're hearing it from a lot of other people also. So if you have POTS, you have somebody you know who has POTS, you have somebody who you know that has some kind of dysautonomia, tell them that maybe there's an answer. Okay, maybe there is help. Maybe you can get better. Maybe you can get cured and or or you can live a better life, okay? There are answers out there. This is why people like myself and Sean, Cynthia, and Sterling are in practice. There's a lot of other good doctors out there, and I will tell you that there's a lot of doctors out there who consult with us because they want um, they want to know more and see if they can help their patients. A lot of doctors don't have the egos you may think, and if you happen to have one like that, get a different doctor. You know, there's believe me when I tell you, they're not the only game in town. Like I told you before, you can't swing a dead cat and not hit a doctor, okay? So anyway, I don't know what we're going to have up for next week. It's almost The show's almost over here. Uh, I really appreciate you listening. Uh, we're having kind of a little bit of an ice storm here. I'm 
going to slide my way home. And um, I hope you guys learned something tonight. And please feel free to email me. Feel free to yell at me if you want. I don't care. All right. But um, don't accept this diagnosis as it's the end of everything. Okay. It's just not true. Okay. I'm willing to bet that almost everybody out there to one degree or another can be helped, whether it's POTS, orthostatic hypotension, orthostatic intolerance, mast cell activation disorder, yeah, mastocytosis. I just one of my patients with eosinophilic esophagitis is doing much better. He's swallowing, he's eating, he's building muscle like crazy. His mom's scared because he's lifting, you know, three hundred and fifty pounds now because now he's absorbing and he had nasty eosinophilic esophagitis. Okay, and it was just a matter of fixing his gut and fixing the cell walls. Okay, so it's possible, people. It really is. Okay, people can get better. Don't accept the chronic diagnosis as permanent. Don't let them. Don't let anybody take away your will. Okay, and take away your will to live. Okay, so I hope to hear everybody. See everybody next week. I don't know what we're going to be doing, but we're going to be doing something good. Okay. You guys have a good weekend. Thank you so much for listening. It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time You know, during the um, During our final song here I usually say a few words And uh, I really do believe that People with chronic illnesses Are the strongest and the bravest people that I know. So, uh, believe the words of this song. Nothing's going to hold you down. You got faith of the heart. You've got strength of the soul. And you've got the strength to believe. Anything the mind of man can believe or can achieve. Okay, there are answers out there. Demand your healthcare providers get those answers. Don't take no for an answer. Okay, that's all I ask of you. Okay, don't take no for an answer. You guys are the strongest people I know. I respect and love every one of you. But it's time to rise up. Ooh, that's cool. Rise up. <laughs> Have a good week, people.